Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 21st. We are turning the calendar over to Week 7, and since it is Wednesday, we are going to talk some Week 7 rankings. I am Michael Beller, joined, as always, by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. You guys, Week 7, this is the unofficial halfway point of your typical fantasy football regular season, right? 13 weeks in your standard regular season. So once we get through this week, we are more than halfway done with your typical fantasy football regular season. How are we feeling at the halfway point? <laughs> I mean, Meh. is it going to be the halfway halfway point if we get a week 18? I mean, That's a good point. Yeah. I, think, I think the fact that week seven is here, let's just be happy like that, that we're still rolling along. I just I keep positive 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 sunday we got no new test and let's just continue with the positive positivity yeah it's, it feels earlier to me still it doesn't feel like the midway point feels like we're still learning stuff and uh really yeah most of the time we're by week eight at this point because we had the late start this mm-hmm. year with the how the year fell yeah you have fell. a i don't know why i said fell like that <laughs> You're cranking out the waiver column, the rankings call, the APA call, like all these different things. I, I think you're grinding, you know, you're kind of a more kind of drowning <laughs> in the in this stuff <laughs> than I am. Um, but uh, yeah, to me. So what you're saying is you're slacking? I'm just saying that you have more of a Groundhog's Day kind of week uh, each, yeah. each week because it is very, it's very structured. Yeah, and this is uh, this is another uh, uh, one of these fun weeks here, you guys. I think uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where it just felt like sort of a week slate. This is not feeling like it, I don't think in week seven. We've got four more teams going on by Baltimore, Indy, Miami. How about Miami and the Minnesota Vikings? Already get ready a week from now to talk about Tua Tagovailoa, guys, because uh, that'll definitely going to be in the show next Wednesday. Dolphins on a bye this week, so we will hold that off for another seven days here, but. We're going to get things started at the quarterback position, and we are going to go into that state of Florida. Jake, we all know that you want to get to Gardner Minshew eventually at some point in every single episode (laughs) we do. So I'm just going to let us start right there. We'll dispose of the topic. Gardner Minshew right off the top. Jaguars taking on the Chargers in Week 7. And Jake, in your column uh, for the Week 7 rankings, uh, you make some very good matchup-based points uh, about why Minshew, uh, even though he ultimately delivered or delivered-ish in a fantasy sense last week, didn't necessarily have a great game in the uh, Jaguars loss a week ago, but why he could bounce back this week against the Chargers. Why don't you bring that great written analysis here to everyone's ears? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's twofold with Minshew. So everybody knows the common one that you just watch the game and without DJ Chark, that offense just doesn't click the same when you're asking Chris Conley to be the number one or anybody else outside of Chark being the number one. So everybody knows that. But there's more to what happened last week and Chark wasn't 100%, but Chark was out there. It happens to do with the fact that Minshew for his career already which is understandable when you're somebody who, let's be real about Minshew as much as I can love him, he's playing over his head. There's a reason he was a late-round draft pick and kind of thought of as a developmental prospect is he struggles with man coverage, actually really struggles with man coverage. And despite the fact that the Lions don't have a lot of talent in the secondary, they play one of the highest rates, actually the highest rate going into that game. I haven't seen the updated numbers for this week, but according to Sports Info Solutions, the highest rate of man coverage around 70-something percent heading into that game, which is why I had Minshew around QB. I think he had 15 or 16 last week. Still upside with his rushing, but I was concerned about that. Good news, Chargers 
than the bottom three. So they actually run a ton of zone, which is good for Minshew. Chark being back to 100%, we assume, this week. And on top of it, for as Brandon mentioned, that I do the adjusted points allowed for the true strength of schedule. This is good with the Chargers as well, plus almost seven points over the league average of giving up to quarterbacks for fantasy points. So everything is in line here. And as you can see, I have him inside my top 10. Yeah, I have him 11th, so I'm with you. And I learned something on the Lions playing 70% man man coverage. It's good stuff. That's uh, I was surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like the matchup. And uh, apparently, you know, learned a little something about the man-to-man coverage of the Detroit Lions. So there you go. And, yeah, like you said, Jake, the rushing upside always there. Minchu did save his day mostly with that rushing touchdown at the end of it. So still, even in a matchup that is bad for him, just in what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are, and uh, DJ Chark not being at 100%, or at least we feel like he probably wasn't quite back to 100% last week. He still gave you, what, 17 and a half, 18 points in a standard scoring uh, fantasy league for quarterbacks, meaning you know four points for a passing touchdown, 25 uh, yards for one point. So still deliver. Right, And it was a matchup that we think is bad for him. Always keep in mind that rushing value. The next quarterback who I want to talk about has that too. Ryan Tannehill, huge game. The 5-0 Titans against the 5-0 Steelers this week in Tennessee. Uh, Steelers are second in the NFL in defensive DVOA. That, of course, from Football Outsiders. This is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I, I can't remember who they were playing off the top of my head, but there were some Patrick Mahomes uh, st- schedule concerns. It was Baltimore, right? Yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore when they played the Ravens some oh my god do we worry about the schedule with Patrick Mahomes and of course we all remember what Patrick Mahomes did in that game Ryan Tannehill not Patrick Mahomes but he is someone who has been giving you fantasy production week in and week out so Brandon I'm going to turn to you first for this one how does this tough matchup admittedly a tough matchup against Pittsburgh affect this game and affect your outlook for Ryan Tannehill um the matchup you know is a bit concerning but look at I just went back and uh you know, counted up Ryan Tannehill's past 15 regular season games, 35 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, five rushing touchdowns. And we said, oh, he's a huge regression candidate uh, in a negative way this year. And it's just not happening. Uh, he's still very efficient. You know, it's still going to be a run heavy offense, but playing off of Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Week in and week out, literally, there's been two games of those 15 that you would have, you know, not wanted to start them. The other ones were either great or serviceable, and they weren't all soft matchups. And I just think because of Derrick Henry, because of the threat of that, you know, Ryan Tannehill plays off of that so very well. And when you got A.J. Brown healthy again now and Corey Davis coming back, you got Johnny, you got the full complement of guys in the passing game. I think Ryan Tannehill you kind of just have to start expecting he's going to give you at least a couple touchdown passes and, you know, some, some serviceability and even in a tough matchup like this and, and the Steelers, there's been some, you know, I'm looking at their, their game log right now, four quarterbacks, at least 250 yards and two touchdowns against them so far. Can Ryan Tannehill go out and do the same thing? Yeah, I think he can. I think we have to start ranking him like that week in and week out. We've been, we've been underrating him in the rankings. I'm guessing as far as a community, as a whole, uh, way too much. And it's time to start, it's time to start putting him in your QB one weekly, uh, class. So I don't know, Jake, where are you at on Tannehill? Yeah, I have Tannehill pretty high as well. I think part of it is you mentioned Corey Davis is even if he doesn't have John this week, Corey Davis is back. So you kind of offset that quote unquote potential loss there. Adam Humphreys is somebody that, you know, is not somebody you want to roll out there in fantasy every single week outside of a potential matchup. But the good thing about this is as Pittsburgh has been considered a good defense, 
there's two things. They're actually better against running backs than they are against quarterbacks in the passing game. There's, you know, I was on Odell Beckham what, two weeks ago for the situation, or was last week. I, I've already, see, Brandon, I'm already, my weeks are already getting <laughs> clustered is. here together. <laughs> whenever, whenever they played the Browns, they've been giving up a lot of big plays to wide receivers. So they've been vulnerable. But Paul, part of it is too, is that they're in the top 10 for pace because they're putting up their own points. Mm. So you're getting more plays from their opponents, even if their defense can be worrisome. So I'm with you. Is it, it, I said it myself. I've disrespected Tannehill, and I'm fully coming around, which is probably bad news because now I'm fully around. It's like the Will Fuller. It's like I'm fully around, I'm fully on board, and now Tannehill's going to go out and have three interceptions and finish quarterback 47. <laughs> this is going to be a fun— Yeah, I think— yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead, Brandon. No, I was just going to say, I just think I find my—you know, for for much of this year, I found myself just throwing him kind of, you know, 16, 17, kind of right in the middle— and uh, I think it's time to just kind of at worst you have to start throwing him at twelve. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what, so that's what, I think I had him twelve or thirteen last week, and somebody was like, "Why the disrespect for Tanhill?" And I was like, "What do you want? He's QB twelve. That's pretty damn good." Well, obviously, it was still disrespectful. <laughs> it's gonna be a fun game, you guys. It's in the uh, the first slate of games: Titans at home against the Steelers. Titans surprised to see uh, this is uh, swung to the Steelers being a favorite. Steelers are uh, minus two, minus two and a half, depending on where you look right now. Any predictions for what we're going to see in this one? Mm, I think that the Titans are going to take I say they stay undefeated. Yeah, Vrabel's one of my favorite head coaches. I think he's legit, um, and he'll have them ready. I, but Tomlin's my, my favorite coach. So <laughs> By the way. Um, I'm going to give Pittsburgh, I'm going to give Pittsburgh ekes one out here. Oh, so, so we could have like a friendly dollar bet. There you go. There you I, go. I don't want to take up time on it, but if anybody knows who Warren Sharp is, speaking of Rabel, yep. go to his account and look up Vrabel and why that penalty was actually intentional because that's how good Vrabel is. So go look that up when you have free time. Wow. You're definitely getting uh, some recognition as uh, one of the smartest, savviest head coaches in the league and just do on that recognition. And a great Let's actor. go back to chart. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, that was the best part of that. That was the best part of it. Yeah, don't lose time. For it. Go check out Warren Sharp on Twitter. You'll see exactly what we're talking about. Let's get back to that Chargers and Jaguars game. Justin Herbert, the quarterback on the other side of this. Guys, he is QB8 in points per game on the season. The two guys behind him? In points per game, again, this is four-point passing touchdown, 25 uh, yards for a point. Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. Justin Herbert, three of his four starts, he has given you at least 23 points. Is he a default starter, Jake? And by default starter, I mean if you have him on your team, he's in, he's the guy who's sitting in your QB spot. And then, you know, maybe there's a matchup or maybe you got a backup quarterback who's got a better matchup. And you think about it for a second, but is he the guy who is just week in and week out sitting in your QB spot if he's on your team? I have him in front of Minshew by one spot and in front of Stafford and Roethlisberger, and he's number eight. I don't feel good about it, though. This is I'll give a good comparison. The way he's playing, you can't deny it. Similar to Tannehill, you can't deny it with the way that he's playing right now. He's playing better than anybody's expected, whether or not it's the Chargers, whether or not you're a fan of Herbert. Nobody expects him to play in this well. I'll compare him to something we talked about on Monday. I feel like it's the Ronald Jones situation where I just know he's a rookie, and it would be almost unheard of to have this kind of success without a down game, without some rookie struggles, without teams starting to plan for him and say, you know what, you know, we see the weaknesses, we see where we can exploit him, we see where we can trick Herbert in on the field. But it's the Jaguars, so you're not that worried about it this week because it's Jaguars. So that's why I do have him inside my top ten. But I just feel like we're getting that one of those weeks is coming where the rug's going to get pulled out and he's going to look like a rookie. And not not anything against Herbert. It's just he's a rookie, and teams are going to figure out how to at least make make him make some mistakes. 
Yeah, I have him ranked eighth as well. I have Matt Ryan ahead oh, of God. him, but this, this, uh, we're going down this week. And I know, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's the thing, and I agree with you. There's going to be a, a time when he trips up, but he's ha- he has faced some good defenses yeah. so far. Uh, it's just this week. I mean, he's third in yards per yards per pass attempt, and he's facing a defense that's last in yards per pass attempt allowed. So it's it's just one of those marriages this week where you just really love the matchup, and it's hard to think of him as anything but a QB one based up based on the matchup and the way he's played to this point. Hey. I I think if if you're redrafting right now in NFL drafts, is he the number one pick? Oh, overall, over Joe Burrow? <laughs> uh, no, I would still take. Would, would, Burrow, would he be? I think, I think you could make really? the argument now. I think you could definitely yeah, make the argument. I yeah, mean, we, I don't, right, like, they, I don't think it's as yeah. He gets thrown into clear the, cut. He gets thrown into the fire against the Chiefs. I mean, he found out he was starting that game what half an hour, an hour before. And he gets thrown yeah. into the fire, and they almost win. They go to overtime. They uh, they push the Saints, another game that they almost won. I mean, none of us would be surprised if that was the Super Bowl. And the Chargers are right there against both of those teams. Yep. No, and that's why, you know, that's uh, the Chiefs won. Again, you know, throw, you th- I don't want to say throw it out, but as we see with backup quarterbacks and, like, that comment is when you switch the game mm-hmm. plan, you don't have the study on them, and you don't have the study on the rookie. I'm not saying, like – Amazing game. I'm not taking that away from him. Right. But I'm also looking at the schedule. Like, So he has the Denver next week. That feels like it might be. And the Denver defense isn't concerning this year. But he's got Denver and Vegas back-to-back. But then after that, Miami and the Jets. And then the Buffalo defense, maybe it's better by the end of November. But his schedule has also got Atlanta. And then he's got Vegas and Denver at the end of the year. So Vegas and Denver for your playoffs the second time around. Divisional opponents. Mm-hmm. That's where I would start to get a little concerned. But now we're talking two months out. Yeah, yeah, we're not worried yeah. about that just yet. We're definitely not worried about him against the Jaguars in Week 7. Uh, how about a quarterback who he's faced down this season, Drew Brees against the Panthers? He is at the opposite end of this, uh, and really every single way that we could talk about from Justin Herbert. Give me 19 in points per game, but the big news, of course, for the Saints, for Drew Brees, Michael Thomas making his triumphant w- return one week <laughs> later than we expected because of some uh, practice hijinks. Michael Thomas, though, back yeah, on the field. He hasn't punched anybody against, yet, has Yeah, he? he hasn't yet. He hasn't yet. We, it is just Wednesday. It is just 11.30 a.m. Central Time as we're recording this, so there's still time for him to punch a teammate this week. But we're going to assume that that doesn't happen and that Michael Thomas plays some football this weekend. Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you first on this one. Are we trusting Drew Brees with the return of Michael Thomas? Ish, yeah. I mean, I, I have him ranked, I think, 13th this week. He's just outside mm. my QB1 uh, bubble. He's been fine the last last few weeks. Six touchdown passes. Michael Thomas coming back certainly helps. I, I think what where I where I pump the brakes on him is you see Taysom Hill get, come out when they're in the red zone. It's the worst. You know, and, and it's the worst. I mean, it, <laughs> it there will be points in the game that where Drew Brees has opportunities to, to really, you know, score fantasy points that Taysom Hill comes in and steals the thunder. So it limits his upside. And, and that's why I, you'll never see me have him anymore in that upper half of the QB one class. So I think the matchup's okay. Uh, Michael Thomas being back is a feather in his cap, but um, you know, I'm just tempered, tempered a little bit by Taysom Hill's presence there in that offense. So for everybody that remembers dashboard confessional, when you said Taysom Hill, the vindicated <laughs> went through my head with that because we were watching that entire game. And now we know we're going to get 70% more Taysom Hill because that one play finally worked after five <laughs> weeks. And Sean Payton, just, he's just got this fascination with Taysom Hill. I will say this. I'm lower and I'm going to jump ahead on you. Mike, sorry, hey, but no, this is going. This is, he's going to be my regular starter that I would consider sitting because I have Drew Brees down at 17, uh, mm. mostly because Brandon, I know you haven't seen this yet. The quarterback, APA, adjusted the strength of schedule, adjusted points allowed, 
Carolina Panthers are actually the third toughest this week. They're 10.9 adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. The league average is 19.6. Remember the cast off from the Eagles and Rasul Douglas is playing great this year. I don't know. I don't know what the Panthers have figured out to make this secondary of basically unnamed or disappointing players good this year. And I'm not saying Drew Brees and Michael Thomas can't overcome it, but even with Michael Thomas, the Drew Brees on his own, you brought the other concern of it. What Taysom Hill snaps are there going to be? Is Alvin Kamara going to get all the touchdowns if there are, you know, two or three? So I, I think that Brees is a little bit more concerning. I think people see Carolina and assume a weak team. They are terrible against the run, but they're actually pretty dang good against the pass. And here's another thing to go to what uh, Jake just made his point on APA. The three quarterbacks who have really struggled against Carolina this season have something pretty obvious in common with Drew Brees. Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan. Those are the three guys that they've they really, run. really Statues. held down exactly <laughs> so far this season. So maybe not quite as bullish on Drew Brees, even with the return of Michael Thomas. Last quarterback to talk about here is Joe Burrow. Jake, I'm going to you first on this one because I was surprised to see him as low in your rankings as he is. If we go back to the first time the Bengals and Browns got together this season, like it was an inefficient game from Joe Burrow. There's no question about that. He got to throw 61 pass attempts in that game. Browns jumped out to a quick 14-0 lead. I want to say it was their first two possessions that they scored touchdowns on, and the Bengals were chasing from that point forward. So that led to the 61 pass attempts. Did give you 316 yards and three touchdowns, just a little bit more than five yards per attempt, though he was QB 10 for the week. We did see a pulse from A.J. Green last week, really for the first time all season. So even understanding that there was a game script-driven volume for Joe Burrow in the game against the Browns way back in week two, still wondering why you are so low on him this week, Jake. So low. He's 15. He's not that low. <laughs> I, I would love to be able to put him higher. It's more so just who he's behind. And despite starting every single game, he's QB 16 on the year. And I understand everything you said, and the volume is there. And this is part of the reason I actually like him a little bit in DFS. But let's also talk about three games with zero touchdowns, including the last two. He's zero. Yes, Baltimore and Indy are much tougher matchups. I'm not taking that away from him. But he looked like a rookie. If you're going to tell me, to Brandon's question earlier, if you told me just based on the first six games and we didn't have a college career and we just said the first six games is what we're going off and I know Herbert hasn't played all six, but that's even more to the point. You told me which is the better NFL quarterback, oh, 10 out of 10 times you would get the answer of Herbert. So I'm not saying I don't like him at all. But this feels like a game where they can lean on Joe Mixon again. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow has looked good at times, but he's also looked like a rookie at times. And A.J. Green might be back to relevancy, similar to Larry Fitzgerald that we talked about Monday at the end of his career. But it just comes down to I just trust the people in front of him a little bit more. Uh, if you wanted to argue versus Cam Newton, who's right in front of him, I don't have a problem with that. I think Brandon not would. Throwing. <laughs> yeah, like Cam Newton's all running and no passing, but that he's 14th and I have Burrow 15th. But you know, I just can't put Burrow over Brady, Tannehill, Roethlisberger, Stafford. I kind of want to, but I just can't. Like, if I had a team, my fantasy team, given the past two weeks and given his struggles this year, I just can't start him over those guys. Are you putting him over Baker Mayfield? Who's in Way the yeah, game? no question. I think Jake's Baker got Mayfield's Baker down Mayfield at 26. Like 20. <laughs> I would start right, as, right now. I have Sam Darnold a spot in front of Sam, Baker Mayfield. 
Well, I have I have Burrow eighteen and I have Mayfield twenty, so I'm not as I'm not as bad as, as yeah. You so are, yeah, but... ask Brandon why does he hate Burrow? Hey, I'm looking. <laughs> I, you know, I, I only got a, eyeballs on your rankings actually before we started this show here, not Brandon's. But I feel like you guys are basically more or less with uh, you know some shades of gray, but more or less on the same page on Burrow and uh, hey, Browns Bengals. Uh, they gave us a fun fantasy game the first time around, so maybe they can do it for us again here in Week Seven. I hate when they stack these division games. Right, week two and week seven for these two teams are already done with one another. I how about, it's, it's a t- how about look look at Eagles Giants? <laughs> oh, I Thursday know it's night ridiculous. And then two, it's yeah. I don't think they were thinking that the Cleveland Cincinnati game was going to be you know division division right, right. on the line still, kind of a matchup. The, so. the Bears and Packers don't play each other until after Thanksgiving, and they play each other twice in like four weeks. It's ridiculous. Well, I it was just it. what was it three or four years ago that it was Saints Falcons weeks fourteen and sixteen? Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. The crazy thing about it, I, man, all right, I don't. I, we'll talk about this yeah, later. I don't want to get us off. I don't want to get us off topic here. Um, a regular starter. We already get, we already heard from Jake. A regular starter. He's sitting this week. Drew Brees. Who you got here, Brandon? Uh, Cam Newton. I, I mean, I, if anybody's thinking he's still a regular starter, I just you know watched the way San Francisco played um, last week and and the way that Cam Newton threw the ball last week. And again, I'll just say what I always say. It seems like almost every week is. Cam Newton doesn't get you a rushing touchdown, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And so, yeah. yeah. So there you go. And not to sidetrack you again, Mike, but just real quick the Giants schedule Washington, <laughs> Philly. Yeah. No, no, so listen to Washington, Philly, Bucks, Washington, Philly, bye. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> that's so. I mean, imagine if those games mattered. Like, take the Bears and Packers, right? Play. What if? What if yeah, one, a division that's actually good? <laughs> yeah, and no, like in two teams that could be competing for the division. What if one player on either one of those teams, an important player, gets like a four week injury, right? So he misses twenty five percent of the season. Not a huge deal, but a deal. But he misses a hundred. Uh, yeah, but he misses a hundred percent of the games between those two teams. Right. Yeah, but I think there's some speculation going on by the NFL as to who is going to be the top teams in the division, and we want to no, have it, those. It was also a lot of it. It has to do with COVID too. A lot of it was overlap because it's easier to move right. teams that face each but other. But this is not unique to 2020. We see this all the time. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not to this level, though. To your point, Seattle and San Francisco typically, you know, in recent mm-hmm. years have played late. You know, both their games have come in the second half of the year. All right. We, so we're, off the we're, off the radar. I mean, I already said Gardner Minshew. I have him in some. He's my top not 10, off the so. radar. What are you talking about? He, Is Justin Herbert off the radar? <laughs> Neither of these guys. These, these, do, these don't count. Give me someone else. Give me someone How who isn't How far do you want to go? I mean, like, Jake, your radar is just a picture of Gardner Minshew's face. I mean, obviously, Wait, but so I'm you not, you not telling. We're not doing off the radar yet. We, you, you said a, a normal a normal QB. Yeah, I already said be Breeze. Before, yeah, you you yeah. said yours. I said oh, Breeze. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I said I was jumping ahead with that. But that's the thing. is like after... After Breeze, I don't want to tell anybody to start anybody after that. There's no way I'm trusting Andy Dalton against the Washington <laughs> defense. The football. Like Daniel you know Jones, that, you're going to roll at Daniel Jones against Philly? But that's, let's a, that's keep a fine going. answer. That's a fine what answer. If, if, you, if you really no. say there's no one no, to no, jump I'm saying up, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. Yeah. That's an acceptable oh, okay. answer here. here. Here's off the radar. Sam Darnold in front of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> How about let me throw Kyle Allen out there? No. Oh, I love Kyle Allen. Yeah. No, I mean, I, Dallas's I defense. I have him 19th. 280 and 2 last week. Yeah. Don't care. Don't care. What was the argument everybody made for Daniel Jones against the Dallas defense? I mean, 280 and two last week, a rushing touchdown before he got hurt in his first start. I'm not saying Kyle Allen is necessarily a good real life quarterback, but he can be a productive fantasy quarterback. But again, everybody made the argument for Daniel Jones. I would have dropped my mic if I could have. All right. We're moving on to running backs. Just (laughs) take away from this, everyone here, that if you have Lamar Jackson on your team and no other quarterback, Jake just doesn't even think you should start a quarterback and he hates you and he just wants to lose. That's exactly what I was saying. That's exactly what he is saying here. 
All right, guys, running back time here, and let's get back to someone who we talked about in this same context just a few weeks ago. It is Jarek McKinnon, Raheem Mostert, man, getting over the hump, looking good, and then suffers another injury, this one sending him to IR. So Jarek McKinnon, we think, takes back over as the starter. We know Jermichael Hasty is going to be involved for the 49ers as well in two games as the starter. This was back in weeks three and four. Jarek McKinnon uh, had 28 carries for 92 yards, so not very efficient, but he did have two rushing touchdowns. Also, 12 targets, caught 10 of them for 82 yards. We're going to go to you first on this one, Jake. How deep, generally, would you have to be at this running back position to really be sitting McKinnon this week? Uh, you're not. <laughs> That's a, I just I don't see how you could be that deep mm-hmm. unless you've the only option I think might be if you fell into James Robinson and Mike Davis, but we don't have you know a full complement of everybody. Like, what else do you have potentially with that team? Where you're sitting, like, right. what's your third option? I'm assuming your third option is probably a first or second, maybe worst that case scenario, third round pick. Uh, worst case, maybe Joe Mixon. So that would be one of the only scenarios, and even that is just very, very, very unlikely. Uh, we've seen from McKinnon, 70, 80 yards in both games, a touchdown in both games. He's the guy, of course, whether it's Jeff Wilson or uh, Hasty this week, are going to steal some touches because you don't want to give McKinnon 25 every single week. You don't want to give him 20 most weeks. But I can't imagine... Like even those scenarios, I still I, I don't know how you would put them on your bench. The, the the Patriots defense isn't as good against running backs, pass catching, elusive running backs as people assume overall. I have uh, McKinnon twenty three, and I have Jamichael Hasty thirty because I'm not gonna. I'm not. I something's telling me that this is you know. Look at J- McKinnon was great uh, while Mostert was out, and I thought McKinnon would be a lot more of a thing when Mostert came back, and he wasn't mm-hmm. like. It got completely – it seemed like it got completely discounted by Shanahan. And then we saw Jamichael Hasty come in last week and get the nine carries. Actually had more touches than McKinnon. And Shanahan, Shanahan had good things to say about Hasty about how he, he had fresh legs and gave him some juice. And I'm just – something's telling me this might be closer to a, a, a straight-up platoon than than we, we realize or maybe we're acknowledging at this point. So I well, – I still think McKinnon has the better big play potential, and if they're getting close to the same amount of touches, I'm still going to go McKinnon. I just think Hasty might pull McKinnon's value down a little bit. Just to push back a little bit, uh, Brandon, because I mentioned in the waiver column, is they had a 21-9 to lead or were kind of nursing the clock at that point. So I don't know that I, I would put too much into the Hasty. I understand what you're saying, but I think that was part of it too is just to keep McKinnon healthy, who's got a myriad of injuries to his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point, obviously, Mostert had already left the game with the injury, so they maybe knew they were going to need McKinnon in a big way. I will say, you watch those games, and really you watch him at all this season, he's still an effective guy with what San Francisco asked him to do, but that Minnesota burst is just not there for, for McKinnon, really, anymore. He just doesn't have that same speed that he had before all these injuries, which is understandable, but uh, volume, obviously, is going to be the key for him in this game against New England. Let's move over to another uh, backfield split that we got in this one. Uh, Maybe a little bit unexpected what we saw the last time the Chargers took the field. Justin Jackson really flipped the expected script on Joshua Kelly. We went into that first game without Austin Eckler thinking that it was going to be Joshua Kelly in what used to be the Melvin Gordon role, Justin Jackson in what used to be the Austin Eckler role, and we'll go from there. I think that was a fair assumption to make going into that game, knowing that, of course, things could change. We haven't really seen these two guys as the two guys in the Chargers' backfield. And Justin Jackson, he flipped that. 15 carries for 71 yards. He got six targets, caught five of them 
for 23 yards. Here's my question to you guys. I want you both to answer it. We'll start with you, Brandon. How much of that do we think was just uh, Anthony Lynn playing the hot hand? And do we care if it was just the hot hand? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we care about what he was doing last week, but I think it might have helped, us, you know, cement Justin Jackson as more of what Austin Eckler was earlier in this year instead of the flip script, you know, as a, as a script flipping, as you mentioned, with Joshua Kelly kind of taking over the, the lead role. And Joshua Kelly hasn't looked good in a while. Um, and Justin Jackson would look like the better running back. And I would not be surprised. And I'm ranking it as if Justin Jackson will be the, you know, the decisive platoon leader once again in a great matchup. So I have Justin Jackson actually right inside my top 20 this week where I have Joshua Kelly, uh, you know, more outside the RB two range. Yeah. I th- think that, I would say everybody, maybe there was a few, but I think everybody had Kelly in front of Jackson, uh, even when you're somebody that, and you know, everybody thinks it's a victory lap or whatever, who said that Jackson should be close to Kelly. I still had Kelly in front of him, so it's not. I didn't expect that to be that good of a game for Jackson, but what Brandon just said, the conversation we were having at that time is what if the offense stays the same? What if they keep that role, the Eckler role, as the lead? That game didn't start that way. That game started a very much 50-50 split, but Jackson was outperforming him. And by the time he got to the second half, particularly the fourth quarter, it was Jackson and barely any Kelly to the point where Jackson got a third and one rushing opportunity for the first down, which makes you think like, hey, that would be a Kelly opportunity. So I think you have to go with Jackson at this point. I'm not saying one game definitively tells us it is Jackson keeping the 60 to the 40 of Kelly. But Brandon brought up another point is that Kelly has looked not great. Kelly's also a rookie who, you know, probably struggles some with the pass blocking assignments. You know, he's still learning the NFL. So Jackson's more trusted in this offense as well. So I will say, I'd say eight out of 10 confidence level, it's Jackson, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ever flips during like a game script situation. Maybe they're up 20 to nothing early in this game against the Jaguars. Something else I'll put out there here, you guys, is that you can always trust the Big Ten over the Pac-12. Even we're talking a you know bottom basement really? ho hum really? Big Ten program <laughs> over a brand name Pac-12 program. Always, always keep that in mind. I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm in no place right now to defend the Pac-12. <laughs> I just <laughs> I don't have it in me at all. I think you're actually right. <laughs> uh, all right, well, do you have it in you to talk about David Johnson because that is where we are going to go sure. next year. Obviously, this is someone you're starting quietly putting up RB2 numbers this uh, this season, but I want to talk more about his trade value. Jake, you uh, you make this uh, good point about David Johnson in your rankings column. He says, you say that he's never giving you a matchup winning week, but he's always in the 10 to 18 point range. So when you have a guy like that, you uh, compare him to what Le'Veon Bell was last year, which pretty much right on. Uh, what is his trade value? Where would you, what would you be looking for to get him or looking to, looking to give away to get him or looking to get if you were trying to trade him? I think you can still get David Johnson for RB3, fringy RB2, because people are just not enamored with what he's been doing, which the Le'Veon Bell comparison, which I, what I brought it up for the more context than that, is you know 10 to 18 points every single week. He's just out there. No, he doesn't win you a week. He's got one single-digit performance, but he also rarely kills you. That's what Le'Veon Bell... That's Le'Veon Bell 2019. He had maybe one or two, three at the most single-digit performances, and every single week it was just 10 to 18 points, 10 to 18 points, 10 to 18 points. I know he never topped 20. That's not a bad thing. Not everybody can be Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel. Not everybody can be those guys. So if I could get him for low-end low end RB2, he's not exciting. 
But if I have a need, I'll go get him. If I can sell him, I would have to sell him at least as a mid to upper RB2 because running backs are still just a premium. Everybody's chasing Boston Scott right now because people need running backs. So I would say I'd be willing to sell, but I don't think anybody's going to give you a top 15, 18 value for David Johnson just because people have that perception of him. Can I give you uh, I can give you four examples like in the last 24 hours on the Yahoo trade oh, market. Oh, yeah, some tra- trade market yeah, ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Johnson for Miles Gaskin. David Johnson for Brandon Cooks. David Johnson for Marquise Brown. Um, and I would take. And there's a Mike what? Evans one in, in there as well. Well, Mike Evans. Yeah, Mike Evans is a that's, little bit. That's, that's a need situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Those all feel and, like, fair I, to me to based on like what you're, what fair, you're looking for. I would for. take David Johnson. Of the second two, but I would actually take Gaskin over Johnson. I think I would too. Yeah. I would take Johnson over Marquise Brown, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, there you go. All right. Well, let's get to uh, let's get to David Johnson's 2019 doppelganger, Le'Veon Bell. We're expecting him to make <laughs> his, uh, his first uh, start, or not first start, but play his first game with the Kansas City Chiefs this week at the Denver Broncos. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire maybe saved himself a little bit last week with that 161-yard performance on a 26 carries. Obviously, we're flying a little bit blind here. No one knows exactly what Andy Reid is going to do. Maybe Le'Veon Bell needs to get up to speed. Maybe week seven is his his smallest role that we see at all in Kansas City's offense uh, for the remainder of the season. But let's just take take it as it is right now, what we know right now, and go into it. Brandon, you have these either one of these guys, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell. What are your basic expectations for them this uh, this week? Yeah, I think it's a it's a slow. I'm I'm kind of banking on. Le'Veon Bell not making a cannonball splash in his first week there. So I have him just outside my top 30. I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 15th. I, I'm guessing, Jake, APA-wise, Denver is one of the best. They've been really good uh, in the running game. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a little bit different back. When you face KC, things are opened up a little bit more for your running back as well. So I, I still think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably gets a, a good 15 to 20 touches in this one. And while I don't see huge upside against this Broncos defense, I think if you have him, you're, you're playing him. Le'Veon Bell's the one where I would just caution, don't get too eager right away. This is a tough matchup, and I feel like this could be a week where he's, you know, he gets his feet wet, um, maybe a little bit more, but uh, that's probably about it. For this week specifically, Denver is the worst matchup for running backs. Uh, the second closest is San Francisco. They're minus 8.2. Denver's minus 11.1, uh, despite some of their struggles in the passing game. They're still really good against running backs. All that being said, I'm not knocking Edwards Alaire down that far. I actually have him 12, a little higher than you do. I, I'll, I'll be, I'm prepared to be wrong on this, but I really am going to continue to say that I don't think Edwards Alaire loses that much value, if any at all. I think Bell just absorbs Dar- Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams and says, you know what, this is a guy who's better than both of those combined. Let's give him all those touches. Let's keep Edwards Alaire getting his 70% of the touches. And Edwards Alaire wasn't getting the touchdowns anyway. That's, that's everybody was complaining yeah, that's about true. that. I think that's Brandon, yeah, Brandon said that on Monday show is that like, you know, that's part of the problems and it's not changed so why is everybody panicking so it's more of a matchup i understand that you have him down to 15 i'm not going to say oh you, uh, you have him 15 but i think edwards alaire is a great buy low because people are still in full-on panic mode thinking he might only be an rb2 or that bell will be the lead and i will be shocked if bell is the lead i, I well 
Well, I say eighty percent shocked. <laughs> can I can I jump in here because I sent out questions to you guys for the roundtable this week. I'm going to answer them later today. I know, but you guys can give me a little preview right now because I asked what you think the average touch load will be for Le'Veon Bell going forward, and the Chiefs average twenty seven point three running back touches per game. I think Edward Solaire is just between twenty and twenty one. So that if you Jake, by your your assessment, you're basically saying that Le'Veon Bell gets about six to seven. And touches per game, but I'm guessing either you think Casey may might up the the RB workload, or that the, he'll cut into Clyde Edwards Hilaire a little bit more than that. Yeah, I would say maybe a 10 percent decrease in Edwards Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell settles into like a seven to ten range. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking something like that, like 17 and a half for uh, for Edwards Hilaire and 10 for Le'Veon. So there you go. Do I have to still answer that? In, or can you? You, you do. You do. Make sure you put that down in writing. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to everyone's favorite week six breakout running back, DeAndre Swift. Lions at the Falcons here. So uh, hopefully a good matchup for this Lions team. We By now, we've already talked about the, the numbers that Swift put up last week on still relatively limited opportunities. He played 37.8% of Detroit snaps in that game, and he ran routes on 18.8% of Matthew Stafford dropbacks. So let's take those numbers. Jake, does he go over or under that snap rate and the the route run per dropback rate this week? Mm, I've got to say push because he's going to stay. stay. I, I just don't trust that Patricia is going to change anything. Like it comes down to it 100% Patricia. You know, everybody does. And we're all fans of Swift, but how much I love DeAndre Swift. We've been, we as in the community have been clamoring for this the entire year. Well, the same head coach that had him in the lead snaps comes out, gets six or five or whatever it was against Arizona. Like it just, I don't trust Patricia. He comes from the Bilicek mold. Bilicek is somebody who is definitively better than Patricia. And he goes out there and attacks the defense he's facing week to week by who's the best matchup and sometimes changes in game because that's how good Bilicek is. Patricia's trying to do it, but Patricia's not Bilicek. So I don't trust that Swift's going to get more. He should. I would love to take the over on all of it, and then I would fire him up as a rock-solid RB2 with RB1 upside, but I just don't trust it's going to happen. Yeah, and it's actually Atlanta's Atlanta's a good run defense. Like, they can they can shut down. I'm a little bit worried they were not, you know, even if he gets the same amount of, of snaps and stuff and gets the same, if he gets another 14 carries, I just don't think it's going to be as good. I don't, I'm curious where you have him ranked, Jake. I have him ranked 21st this week, but I – I could see the rug getting pulled out from 24th. under him. Okay, yeah. So I, I, I was a little bit leery about ranking him that high. I might end up moving him down because I just, I, what Jake said with Patricia and the rug getting pulled out and and just you know doing a complete one eighty on him is completely in play. It always is, and uh, I'm a little bit worried about that. Always got to be something we're worried about. I feel like it's going to take week after week after week. Maybe if we see three increasing weeks of usage or three weeks where he's clearly (laughs) the guy, the lead guy in Detroit's uh, backfield, then maybe we'll feel good about it. But I think we're not going to feel good about it until then. One more guy who I want to talk about here is James Robinson. It just feels like it's been a while since we've talked about him. Another guy who, like we said with David Johnson, if you've got him, you're playing him. No doubt about that. But I've got uh, two different questions. I'm going to go to you first on this one, Jake. Assume you assume a world where you are flush enough at running back that you can maybe trade Robinson without getting a back back. And I think that's probably realistic for a lot of James Robinson people, considering he was a late-round pick at best. A lot of people scooped him off waivers before the season started. Some probably were able to scoop him even after week one, so you probably 
probably have a fair amount of James Robinson managers who actually have a pretty decent running back stable and maybe can trade him without getting it back back. If that is you, what are you looking for? Where do you think is fair value to get back in a like a one-for-one one James Robinson trade? Wide receiver one. Has to be a wide receiver one. Uh, did I say it to you guys on Monday? I don't... At so many shows, Brandon, like this, I don't remember who I said what to, but I said that if you said this was Leonard Fournette and not James Robinson, everybody like, oh, this is a rock-solid top 10 running back. Nobody would even think for a second to question you. Nobody would you know, push back on trades. or They would say, top 10 running back, because his name is Leonard Fournette. James Robinson is that value. He's just without the name recognition. Similar to Jair Alexander. There, I said it right this time, Mike. It, like, it's really <laughs> about people just don't know who he is and then that are hesitant about it. So I need top 10. I need Galladay, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Godwin, D- Metcalf. Amari like, Cooper? No, not enough. Because he's the one guy I'm looking at the, the <laughs> trade market on Robinson in the last day. The one You tell me Cooper with Dak. One. Sure, but not not with Dalton. It's, now. It, yeah, it's Amari has been traded for him twice. He's the one with receiver in one for one deals that showed up in two two separate ones. So Mike Evans and AJ Brown are the other the other ones. So you're it's it's Ooh. seeming like the market is kind of saying fringy yeah. wide receiver one. Yeah, I would take James Robinson over all those unless I was just like you said, Mike. If I was flush at running back and needed wide receiver, like I'm not just trading running backs because I'm flush. Like you could just right, one right. week now you're down to two running backs or down to three mm-hmm. or whatever it might be on your team. I would want more than I love AJ Brown, but I would still take James Robinson. We're about to talk about AJ Brown, so hold on to those AJ Brown thoughts. Brandon, <laughs> okay. the question to you: Let's say you're getting into a running back challenge trade. Who would you take for James Robinson? Ooh, like the like well, the like highest. What's the, what's the cutoff point? I guess. Um, Jonathan Taylor, kind of. You would like, take Taylor. Same. You would rather have Taylor than Robinson. Yes, I, I think it's it's I close, but I I would take Taylor. That's right where I'm at. I think he, I think he's right in that neighborhood. So are you are you considering both these guys RB ones, or are you a little yes. bit lower on Robinson than Jake? You're considering re- both RB. Rest of the season, he's definitely a top twelve running back for me. Taylor both or Robinson? Guys. Both or Robinson both. and Taylor. Uh, both of them, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor has been been a little bit spotty, but he is the guy. that The schedule is great, and I he is a rookie, and I'm assuming, you know, that he will his you know he will continue to evolve into a better running back going forward. Chris Carson, your boy? I would rather have Chris Carson. I'd okay. rather have Carson, too. <laughs> what about you, Jake? Oh, yeah, Chris Carson. I was just, okay. but the funny thing is, like, I would put James Robinson right there with Chris Carson and behind James Conner, like, right there. I would, I would take James Robinson over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Mm. I'd have to think about that one for a while, but that <laughs> kind of tells you. That t- I mean, that tells you where the value yeah. should be. Exactly. Yeah. That tells you exa- right where he is. Um, all right, let's get through this quickly because we still got a lot of wide receivers to talk about. So, a regular running back starter that you would consider sitting this week. Who you got, Jake? Well, so. He's not a regular week to week, but he's a regular for this week. I would consider sitting Boston Scott. Just you know, he's he's not a must plug him in because the Giants' defense is not great. Let's be real, but they're decent against running backs, mostly because that's all they've seemingly put on that defensive line, which is still terrible. But they're vulnerable in the passing game. We've seen Fulgham step up. We've seen Wentz playing better of late, even with some tough matchups. Now that he has Fulgham. Uh, so I don't think Boston Scott's a must play. I would put him in the McKissick conversation. And for that, you might be able to put him on your bench. 
can I say Devontae Freeman since he's in the same game as is sure the lead can. running back you for the other side? Whatever the hell you want. I have both. Anyone, who, Boston, anyone who listens yeah. to this on Friday is going to hate you guys, but you can say that. <laughs> I know we, 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 my, yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll give you a second after this then. Fine, I'll give you a second one. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to say that I have both Boston Scott and Devontae Freeman outside my RB2 ranking range, so they're right in the uh, the mid-20s, but I, I don't think they're RB2 level. So there you go. I'll give you a second. Then how about the wonderful – Brandon brought up the fact that the Falcons' run defense is pretty decent. Adrian Peterson. Against the Falcons, because people are going to think you can start Yuck. Swift and Peterson. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Peterson. How about uh, how about a fringe or off the radar running back that you are considering starting this week? Who you got, Jake? Corey Clement. No, I'm just kidding. I just want to throw in a Thursday <laughs> football game. Trusting the Big Ten. You're trusting the Big Ten again. Oh, I like it, it. Oh God, then definitely not. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to go to I wow Michael Piron. It really comes down to something I've been bringing up. You guys know this since about week two is this Buffalo defense has been struggling. And I definitely think this is a great matchup for the Buffalo defense and they can rebound. But the one thing is even rebounding the one running back specifically they've been struggling against this year is space eaters, pass catchers, elusive running backs. And that's Michael Piron. And he's definitely more than Frank Gore. And he out-touched, out-snapped, and was out there more than Frank Gore. And I know Adam Gase is not the one we always trust to be smart every single week, but he said he wants to give him more touches. And despite Gase being frustrated, he often is telling the truth. So I don't feel great about it. Like, I'm even, uh when I say this. But if you need a running back as a flex, I think P. Ryan's usable. Yeah, I'll just say J.D. McKissick again because I said him last week and that worked out pretty well. And he actually got eight carries last week. I mean, now week, you sound like got... with me with Minshew. Yeah, well, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be tied to McKissick in that way. So I will say him. I'll also throw out Jermichael Hasty. I think he'll get – I think he's got 10-plus touches in him uh, Even against if New England. Back? Uh, I think I think it's going to be Hasty. I, I, I do, but um, if Wilson's back – We'll see, but I actually think Hasty might be making a move ahead of Wilson. All right, and that's going to do it for the running back position. We move on now to wide receivers. Man, we've got a lot of guys I want to talk about. We might have to cut here, so uh, take a look while, <laughs> while the other person's answering you could or do, while I'm setting up a question. Yeah, maybe. I was going to say, you could do like, uh, you don't have to respond unless you vehemently disagree and bounce back and forth. Yeah, wait, what did you say? How do you say that? Vehemently. You don't have vehemently, to respond unless yes. you vehemently No, Brandon, you missed an episode a couple of weeks ago uh, with yeah. uh, Jake and Nando, and they both having a little bit of trouble pronouncing vehemently. He, he, no, I didn't have trouble. Then Nando added an S to it. <laughs> I feel like you both did, but we'll let you off the hook because you got it right here. <laughs> All right, yeah, so uh, so let's do that. Let's do that, and let's start with uh, – I want to go back to Tennessee and Pittsburgh – Marquee game of the week two five and O teams. Let's let's hit all these Steelers. Let's let's at least get them in the discussion. You don't need to talk about all of them, but I mean we've seen what has happened with Juju Smith Schuster just totally regressing in the offense with Chase Claypool taking on a monster role. Deontay Johnson still dealing with the back injury, so we're not sure uh, if we're going to have him and if we do have him, if he's at a hundred percent. How are you treating the Steelers receivers against the Titans this week, Jake? If Deontay's out there, I still think he's the number one. I know a lot of people are questioning that after they were all people saying he was the number one after three weeks. At this point, you know, we'll, what, two weeks ago when we were doing the Fulgham-Claypool, and I said, mm -hmm. worst case scenario, Fulgham's the number two, and I said there's a chance that Claypool's still the number three. I it, Look, things change in the NFL. Things change in sports. I will immediately backtrack. Well, not immediately, two weeks later. I'll backtrack on that. I don't <laughs> think... He's the number three, even when Deontay's out there. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is the number three now. And Juju Smith-Schuster is not somebody I'm dropping, 
but I don't know how you start him right now. I just I don't know how you do. So maybe you're needy and you will, but I think if everybody's healthy, Deontay's 100 percent in my lineups, Claypool's 100 percent in my lineups, and Juju's on the bench. Yeah, I'll just say I have Juju ranked 38th this week, so he's on my bench. And I don't disagree with Jake and Deontay being the number one, but I have him ranked behind Claypool because we, we call Deontay Johnson the number one because we expect him to be the most targeted guy. Right. And I think that's right. I think the, you know, what Chase Claypool will do with less targets will ultimately net out as a higher fantasy uh, where do you, scoring. Where do you have so Claypool I, and Deontay? So I have Deontay 30, I have Claypool 21. <laughs> I have Claypool 20, Deontay 30, and Juju Smith-Schuster 42. Okay, so we're almost in lockstep, <laughs> yeah, except yeah. for I'm a little bit higher on on Juju, um, but just but really kind of... You have a little bit more Miriam. Juju? Is that what you said? A little, bit more, a little, bit, more a little bit more Juju for Juju. How about that? <laughs> you know who we all have a lot of Juju for is A.J. Brown on the other side of this game. Two games since we're coming back from his bone bruise. Uh, the first one, seven grabs, nine targets, 82 yards, touchdown. The second, five grabs, seven targets, 56 yards, two touchdowns, including just one of the best touchdown catches you are going to see this season. Jake, in the rankings column, you list him as a sell, but you say, you caveat it with, if someone's willing to give you another top 10-ish receiver. Yes. So obviously, you're not just out there trading A.J. Brown and saying, now's the time to get rid of him. So you think he's in that wide receiver one class. Let's, uh, I guess uh, if we go uh, across position, let's use that James Robinson trade that Brandon saw. Where are you on that? Where are you on him versus the running back group? I'm always going to lean running back when it's close. And I think that's a close conversation and we're all going to take James Robinson. But if I need the wide receiver more, I would take AJ Brown. But that's the point is that I'm glad you added that. I put that context in there. I'm not, when I list sell highs or even some buy lows, it's you know, a lot of it has to do with what potential value you can get out there. And I'm just reading the room, quote unquote, of the people in comments asking about trades. And if people are putting A.J. Brown in the conversation of the Falcons receivers, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, and stuff like that, then I'm going to sell high d- despite how much I love this kid, uh, mostly because Corey Davis being back. And then at once Johnny was back. Unless Tannehill is throwing three touchdowns a week, which maybe he just does for the entire yeah. <laughs> year. It, with Derrick Henry in this offense, there's going to be some down weeks, and A.J. Brown is not a Terry McLaurin where he's going to have seven, eight, nine receptions a lot of weeks to offset if he potentially doesn't get a touchdown. And that's the only reason I would. And for this week alone, I still have him as a wide receiver one. Well, can we just say if John is out that Anthony Ferkser is going to be the guy that takes away targets from A.J. Brown? Cause, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. The Yahoo trademark is not that crazy on AJ Brown in terms of volume. He's only been had a few trades, but they've been one for one challenge trades with receivers. Uh, two trades: AJ Brown for Tyler Lockett, and one trade for Chase Claypool. So where are you? I'll take AJ Brown on both of them. Yeah, I, would. I think I think I probably would too. I don't think I don't even think it's close with Claypool. No. I, what happens if Claypool goes out and balls out one more week? I mean, I think it, <laughs> then maybe the tie, I look wrong, but I'm making this decision. On, I'm, make, I'm making this decision on Wednesday, not on after another. I'm, I'm also making this decision on Claypool. even if he what, what's balls out though. Like balls out is AJ Brown's balled 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 out the past two games. So <laughs> why why are we? So here's the deal though. AJ Brown what a second round pick last year. Uh, Chase yeah. Claypool Chase Claypool is a second round pick this year. Every bit is physically gifted as A.J. Brown and any more pass-happy offense. So, you know, and look what A.J. Brown did, you know, after the first month of the season, he just absolutely went crazy. And here we are with Chase Claypool. I just think these guys are a lot closer than we probably are giving them credit for. All right. All right. Well, let's stick in the – I think there's also less competition. 
Well, you just got done Brown. saying why why AJ Brown's a sell because of guys like Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. So. No, I said for a t- yeah, there's three, but even then, that's three guys versus four. So that that's what it comes down to. Can does volume about- does volume in the Pittsburgh Steelers pass attack make up for that? I think it's that, not that much more than the Tennessee is with Tannehill right now. Well, I think if you as you move deeper into the season, I think that there we'll see that kind of the disparity grow a little bit. But possibly, um, especially because I think, the yeah, I think the point is is these guys are probably a, there's an argument to be made that they're really close. Are you sure. taking Claypool for for your AJ Brown right now, Brandon? Um, sure. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's Let's... a challenge deal, and I just think it, it's it's close to a coin flip. Well, so yeah, then here's your challenge: if mark it down ten twenty one for rest of the season, Claypool more fantasy points than AJ Brown. Okay, per game, obviously. Per game, game. Half, play half PPR. Yeah, Beller, you got all these listed games. in like some uh, some document, some kind of log that you're keeping there. I do. I do. Okay, sort right. of. <laughs> you got to collect all your scraps of paper on your desk and, yeah, exactly. and put them together. <laughs> exactly, and find some way to put them all together. Um, let's hit on the uh, let's hit the uh, Browns and Bengals game in the AFC North for the wide receiver position. I mean, this game just sends your head spinning when you look at the wide receiver position. Looking at your ranks, Jake, you've got T. Higgins as the highest ranked receiver on both of these teams. You've got him higher than Odell, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. I mean, who would have thought that a couple of months ago that T. Higgins would be the highest ranked receiver in this game? I mean, is A.J. Green back? Can Odell Beckham be trusted? We have been on an Odell Beckham roller coaster all season long. Jarvis Landry still has his health issues with the hip. I mean, what is going on in this game for wide receivers, Jake? I guess maybe the way to put it in a actual question form is <laughs> T. Higgins is your number one ranked receiver. I mean, are you playing anyone other than him and Odell in this game unless you have to? Not unless I have to. And the thing with T. Higgins is he's essentially been the number one since week four against Jacksonville. He was already immediately involved out of the gate against Cleveland the first time around. But even since week four against Jacksonville, it's been even better week to week. He got more targets next week. Only caught four just like he did the week before. But last week, eight targets again, six for 125. And he still hasn't even had touchdowns since the game against Philly. A.J. Green was a thing. Tyler Boyd took a little bit of a step back. I thought this was going to be Tyler Boyd all year long. I wasn't expecting T.Y. Higgins. To, or T.Y. <laughs> T.Y. Higgins. That's kind of who he's playing like, T.Y. Hilton. I wasn't expecting T. Higgins to be T. Higgins until potentially next year. But as of right now, the connection between Burrow, the volume of Burrow, is going first to T. Higgins. And if that's going to be, you're going to tell me who gets the most volume. If it was Boyd, Boyd would be the top. If A.J. Green was back to A.J. Green and had been seeing this all year long, it would be A.J. Green. Uh, Higgins right now, until further notice, it could change, but until further notice, he is the number one. And starting over Odell Beckham, although I do think this is a nice rebound game for Odell Beckham because what do we often see? They pissed off, took our shoes off in the fourth quarter as Baker Mayfield also got benched. Usually Beckham comes back for a little bit of noise the week after. Yeah, I have actually Tyler Boyd ranked as the highest receiver in this game, but he's a little bit ahead of he's a little bit ahead of Odell and T. Higgins. I have Odell and T. Higgins kind of uh, mid back end of the twenties and Tyler Boyd right uh, just outside the top twenty. So I just I just like the matchup for him. You look at the slot receivers against the Brown or yeah, against the Brownies and they've been good. And even Tyler Boyd's part of that seven catches, 72 yards and a touchdown the last time they had this matchup. So I think we'll see Tyler Boyd rebound from uh, you know being quiet the last couple of weeks in, in, in show out in this one. 
All right, let's look at Cowboys and Washington footballs, another uh, intra-division matchup. I want to talk about the Cowboys first, actually. Um, where, where are we at on these guys? Let's take, let's just do a quick temperature check on you know, any of them you want to talk about. You don't have to talk about all three. You can if you want to, but obviously things did not exactly go as planned in start one of the Andy Dalton era. We knew this was going to be a step back uh, floor-wise, ceiling-wise, really for, certainly for Cooper and Lamb, and maybe Gallup was in there as well, although I don't know how much lower his floor could have gotten after what we saw the first couple weeks of the season before uh, Dak Prescott's season-ending injury. But how are you feeling about these guys now if you have them on your team? Uh, Brad, why don't you go first here? Yeah, I mean, it's not good. I mean, and the thing about Andy Dalton is he has no escapability anymore. So, and he's, you know, he's obviously bothered by pressure and a Dallas offensive line has gotten worse with injuries. I think it's a problem. Anytime you can, you, you have a matchup where you can see uh, teams that get good pressure on the quarterback, I think you have to worry. I think Michael Gallup, I mean, the deep ball is kind of out of the equation at this point. I, I feel better about C.D. Lamb and, and Amari Cooper because they can play closer, you know, to Andy Dalton's range. Um, and obviously, this team's going to have to throw a lot. So ultimately, I think they're going to be okay. But I think you're you're dropping their values down a decent amount going from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton. So if anybody followed my rant fest yesterday uh, about Andy Dalton on Twitter, it, biggest thing is, as Brandon just mentioned, I also pointed out catchable passes and the two game, well, the one and a quarter game. He's down there behind Daniel Jones, behind Trubisky. He's point one in front of Dwayne Haskins, and he's behind Kyle Allen. Like that's how poor he played in his one game plus quarter with arguably the best four players when you talk about three wide receivers and a running back combined that anybody has across the league. And I know the offensive line isn't what it was, and it's got questions with all their injuries, but that's part of what Brandon just said, too, is his escapability. He's not well, he's not at least, you know, it's one game and change, but he's not playing well under pressure. The deep ball's not there. Yeah, Gallup could have had a touchdown that he dropped. But the catchable pass is just in general. He's not throwing it very well. It, he doesn't look like somebody that we used to know of Andy Dalton back with the Bengals. And for somebody, the reason I brought up Kyle Allen, too, is because I brought him up in the Twitter conversation. You guys just argued for Kyle Allen earlier, and I'm not on Kyle Allen. But in Kyle Allen's game plus in a new team, granted it's a similar system to what he had with the Panthers, but new players across the board, Kyle Allen has played better than Andy Dalton, who's a 10-year vet with the collection of talent that he has you have to be concerned about Andy Dalton let me ask like is there is there the possibility that Dallas would go out and and trade for a quarterback I mean they this this division is still wide open yeah well that was actually that was the thought I had yesterday was uh would they consider you know trading for Ryan Fitzpatrick I think he would he would be a huge upgrade over Andy Dalton in my (laughs) mind do we think I mean, that's realistic, he's, though? Do he's, we think he's, Miami's he's really going to be giving him away? Yeah. That's my biggest problem with that idea. I don't think they're going to give him away, but they still are stockpiling picks, which the Houston Texans pick is getting better than people expected it to be. This is still a team that's looking to continue to re- their rebuild. So I'm well, not saying. Have, I mean, what is Dallas Josh Rosen too, right? Like they have a a guy they could shove in there if Tua, you know, if if Tua got hurt. If Tua's or winning like too that. many games, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, once you make the change to Tua, right, you're not going bad. At this point, Tua either finishes the season no. starting every game or gets hurt. There's real, there's but no your, way they pull him for an ineffective play. They've made that decision just by making him the starter. 
to go to your question, Mike, too, is it, part of it you have to remember is a coaching situation, too. Like Fitzpatrick's going to be able to teach to a, a lot. And if you do trade right. him away, you kind of lose that, too. So I don't think for what you might sacrifice there, which might be the, what people overlook, uh, is not necessarily a good reason to just trade him away unless you got like a fourth rounder, maybe. And I don't think Dallas is going to give that up. Not too right. high on Josh Rosen, Rosen as a mentor. That's <laughs> a mentor. <laughs> Play, no, uh, you want to keep him away from two. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I think I think two is already the mentor to Josh Rosen. If anything, <laughs> um, uh, uh, let let's hit Terry McLaurin really quick. I just want to talk about him because Jake, you've got him listed as a buy. Are you really seeing people that down on Terry McLaurin that you could go out and trade for him? Yeah, and not that down, but when you're talking about mid low wide receiver two. He had a bad matchup last week. I brought that up about Bradbury, that Bradbury has been the only arguably good thing Gettleman's done in a while. has been close to shut down corner. He's not playing Ramsey level, but he's playing top 15 corner this year and has been shutting people down. That's why I was off of McLaurin last week. I still had him as 21-22. He's still a must start, but he had a decent, not great McLaurin game, and it's going to rebound. And the reason I say he's also a buy because – not only does he still deserve to be inside the top 15 conversation almost every week, unless he's facing somebody like Bradbury or Ramsey or something like that. But if you don't buy him now, it's going to be too late after this game. All right, let's move right on then here to a couple of receivers who are coming on after slow starts. Uh, slow starts for different reasons. Debo Samuel because of the injury. Brandon Cooks, hey, just because it was a slow start and understandable, joining a new team, new quarterback, all that good stuff. Um, I grouped them together because of that. Are we looking at wide receiver three floors for the rest of the way for these guys and just for this week also? Uh, Samuel's got the Patriots. Brandon Cooks has the Packers. Brandon, why don't you take this one? Yeah, I think wide receiver floor is, is about right. And Debo showed last week why you can never count him out even in a tough matchup. I mean, that that run he had at the end of that game, uh, so impressive. But he's just the, the involvement of the receivers in the running game as, as a regular part of the package. And Debo's as good as it gets when it comes to that. Um, just plays like a running back and so yeah I think and he's uh you know he's the number one receiver and I think we'll see him as he as he shows that he's healthy we're going to see him kind of back uh where he was last year uh, where I would always have him rank kind of in that 25 to 30 range at the wide receiver position I, I'm expecting in you know neutral matchups that that's about where he's going to be Brandon Cook's probably the same I'll probably have him a little bit lower um but you know, you can argue that Cooks has a higher upside, and we've seen that play out with Deshaun Watson and the big play potential there. So I will argue differently, actually. I'm going to go opposite directions. I think Brandon Cooks has a wide receiver four floor, uh, so still startable most weeks. But I think Debo's floor is wide receiver two. Uh, I, like, yeah, of course, he's not going to finish there every single week, so floor is, you know, relative. But I think he's a wide receiver two going forward. Debo just needed to get healthy, needed to be 100%. He was a wide receiver two last year. And I don't think Ayuk's enough as a threat to him to stop that. As you just mentioned, Brandon, they, he's going to be used in every possible way to get the ball in his hands. So I will take Debo. It's low end wide receiver two, but I think he deserves to be in that conversation. Cook's floor, just because, you know, it's Will Fuller while healthy, it's David Johnson still involved, and they get up in a game. I just like, you know, Brandon Cook should just be kind of like left out just from a game script perspective when you also talk about Watson running like he has been recently. So I'm a little bit cooler and a little bit warmer on the two, but it's at least in the same conversation. All right, guys, we are uh, across the one-hour mark for this show, so I'm going to accelerate things a little bit. I'm going to make this our last topic for the day. It's the wide receiver lightning round, a regular starter that you would consider sitting at this position. Who you got, Jake? 
Mm, I'm going to go, I, I guess he's considered, he was at this point, but CeeDee Lamb, just the kind of, well, Juju Smith-Schuster is the obvious one, but the Washington defense needs respect. Like, just respect because that front is so good that it makes their secondary better than it should be. I still like CD Lamb. Like you're, you're, I'm talking about this question is somebody inside my top 40 wide receivers. I don't want to sit yeah, CD yeah. Lamb at all, but you know, I have him at 31, and that's lower. Normally, I would have had him definitely inside the top 25 while Dak was at quarterback. Yeah, how I'll throw out uh, Darius Slayton in a, in a great likely matchup of Darius Slayton versus Darius Slay, which will be <laughs> which will be awesome. But uh, you also have the likely return of Sterling Shepard coming off of IR. Oh wait, and- Brandon. So are we going to see somebody slay or somebody slay ton? Slay a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure on that. I have to mold that one, but uh, I think you, you know, uh, fantasy GMs should also mold uh, whether they really want to throw Darius Slayton out in this uh, in this game of, of being guarded by a guy with the same name, basically. It always, it, I never, I pretty much never don't chuckle when I'm looking for one of them on Pro Football Reference, and they both come up, and it's, I mean, what are the chances? They spell Darius, D A R I U S, the same way, and. I mean, right. I mean, all the all the little name oddities across a hundred years of professional football. It is that's definitely a fun one. Hopefully, this was a fun one for you of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to call that an episode on Week Seven rankings. Of course, uh, TAFFP right back with you tomorrow. Nato Defino, Jake Seedley, and Eric Moody, the three of us, will be back with you on Monday to take a look back at what happened on Week Seven Sunday and a look ahead to Week Eight waivers and. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day. 